Wait for it. Wait for it. And we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we are going to let our guest, Mr. Herman Hunter, introduce himself to our listeners and viewers. Hey, I'm Herman Hunter. Oh, yeah, and I wrote The Revenant in the Tomb. Okay, okay. That's a very important Yeah, Long walks on the beach, uh, pina coladas in the rain, or dancing in the stars. I don't know. Like, there's got to be Long walks along the beach. I like to laugh and eat steak. Oh, you had me at steak, sir. (laughs) Mm, I also smoke cigars. That's nice. So, so, Nick, you'll appreciate this. I... I, um, my my youngest decided to forget to close the outdoor chest freezer. So I'm like, well, shit. I mean, crap. Uh, and so I was like, I reached out to my stepdad. I said, I got this kielbasa that I didn't know what to do with yet. But now we got to cook it this week because now it's defawed because he set it out to get something else and forgot. Uh, and I'm like, how do we want to cook it? Because I'm thinking, you know, do we want it over rice with a stir fry or what? And he responds, you were infantry. I thought that meant you were a man. Of course, we cook it with fire. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So we are Man, grilling this weekend. Yeah, get some onions, and some bell peppers, put over some rice. Uh, you're good to go. See, now I've got to make it as spicy as I can take, which probably isn't that much because my manhood has been challenged. So I have to out like spice him. It's required. I can't let the oh. navy win. Okay, so you need jalapenos and ghost peppers. Ooh, ghost pepper. Well, that might be too hot. Uh, definitely ghost a habanero. One they do the one ship challenge with. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I don't and know. How they do it with a Carolina Reaper. I mean, I might surrender the Army's honor for not having to eat one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's like super spicy on the scale. So you need jalapeno, habanero, and a couple of serrano peppers. And that, that should make it, should give it some kick. Okay. And for the question, normally we got to ask a question for, for the Spotify side. So it's going to be a little bit delayed, dear listener. If you're not getting the Spotify updates, they locked us out for reasons I still can't figure out. And uh, it's a glitch on their end. We log in uh, and it says, oh, that's the wrong password. So we tell it to reset and then the emails never get sent. I'm going to have to track down somebody in customer service. So we apologize. I promise you, I will get you caught up on all of the episodes um, once we get there and, uh, and we'll go. But when we do upload it, you will get to tell us how you like your steak. So that's our that's our question, and um, we'll give you ra- right, wrong, and undercooked or something. I don't know. Nick will write the options for you. He's the man with the grill. Um, I'm I'm told mine doesn't count because it's electric. It's uh, what do you call it? Gas. There you go. Yeah. And well, then mine's gas. Unfortunately, I only have gas. But technically, if if I had my if I had my druthers, charcoal, um, salt and pepper, maybe. Maybe a little bit of garlic, but if you're going to go with yeah, and have it medium, um, okay. yeah, don't yeah, no, no more than medium. If you got to go, if you got, if you got to go grill, um, then you go make an herb butter mm-hmm. and uh, bring up some mushrooms, you know, uh, some sautéed mushrooms, and you go that route. So we were actually talking about cooking meats in the pre-show, dear listener, and that's why uh, Herman and Nick had to turn their um, their cameras off. They're a little disheveled. They had to run to their bunk for a little bit. They're back. We're good. But uh, I'm just saying we were talking steak, all right, people? 
So question of the day, how do you take your steak? Do you prefer gas or charcoal? Nick always made fun of me for my gas because charcoal's the way. And now I find out he's got gas too. Ooh. Yeah. I, I, I got a, um, a dual. So okay. Okay. it is you do charcoal. I like to use wood. Okay. I'll, I'll wood fire. The mesquite um, chips or something else? Uh, I use, God, which steak? I don't know what kind of wood it is, but it, it does have some flavor. Um, and then I'll put the mesquite chips in there too. Right. So the wood is really just to kind of create the charcoal, you know, to get the embers going. Uh, okay. Keep that heat, that heat pretty steady. And then I'll throw the uh, mesquite. And I got a, a hickory one that I put on there sometimes. Um, but when I use the gas, because it's quick, it's convenient. I just turn a knob. I don't have to wait like an hour for everything to get kind of settled with the wood or charcoal. So. And that's my it. that's my issue, too. It's like. You know, I, I'm usually doing stuff, and then when my wife wants to, because my wife's a big love steak too. So, yeah, you know, when she wants you to have her steak, so. I, yes, <laughs> when she, but she's also my beta reader, so you know, huh. and and she's the one who he, she's the one who tells me whether it's good or not. She's kind of the audience I, I write for. But well, oh my know, god, I think we're married to the same woman. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, there's some ethical quandaries there because I'm told that you're not supposed to have family member as your therapist, and I, I have it on good authority that your beta reader is basically your counselor. Um, they read your you're crazy. No, it's it. She basically tells me if it's good, it's okay, or if it sucks. Okay. And or or she'll like mine will uh, bring up like okay, this part doesn't make sense. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's like, uh, can but, you explain uh, this to me more? And then maybe we change it. I don't know. She probably does the same thing with you. But yeah, and uh, but you know, she's like perfect. She watched she watches Steven Seagal movies and and uh, <coughs> Chuck Norris movies and all that other stuff. So she's okay. she's my audience. That works. Then that works. Okay. And and, um, and, she, called, and she called the Revenant in the tomb. She also called the Wizard Stone. So uh, thus far, she's been batting a thousand. So, okay, okay. So when you're not grilling steak, what else do you like to grill? We're going to just make the introduction where we talk about steak. Uh, and what do you pair your steak with? Um, beer. Acceptable. What kind of beer you drink? Uh, pretty much any. And no, I don't. I don't go for the freaking. Um, actually, I kind of go for the maltier ones. I don't want it too dark because I don't want it to be my meal, and I don't yeah. want it to be too light and definitely not the uh the ipas that that stuff gives me heartburn and headaches i'm convinced so, that nobody likes ipas they just say they do because the hipsters yeah well no the hipsters do and my uh, brother-in-law does i i don't i ugh, i can't stand them <laughs> you can't stand your brother-in-law or the ipas no i like my brother-in-law or my, my brother my brother-in-law i like my brother-in-law I, I have no idea why he likes that beer uh, there's only two IPAs that I enjoy that are actually good. Uh, one of them is Arrogant Bastard. I don't know if I enjoy it because of the taste or because it just insults you on the back of the bottle. Um, and then what's the other one? Oh, Sculpin from... Uh, what the hell's the name of that bar here? It's, it's uh, San Diego Local, so... Yeah, well, by me, there is a, uh, there's a, a brew pub and we go there uh, pretty much. Well, we go there like every other week, weekend. And uh, they make their own beer there. And oh my god! And they kind, of, you know, and you get in with this, um, this, uh, this pint club, and you get like a twenty-two ounce beer 
you know, for the price of a normal beer. And so we're like that the we bought into that club was like fifty bucks and it's paid for itself. Matter of fact, I just get the beer and an appetizer. And I don't even eat all the appetizer, just drink the beer. Nice. Beer. I gotta write more books so I have time to go out and do those kind of things. What I'm really curious about, have you seen the movie The Thirteenth Warrior? Yes. Where they tried the mead. I, yeah, I, I love the movie. I um, I've always been curious about mead, and then I got it um when one of the local wine stores didn't survive COVID, and I got I bought a bottle of mead, and it tasted just like really dry, like it's almost like I was drinking like a wine. Yeah. Um, and I just I don't like wine, so I'm like, okay, well maybe mead's not for me. And then I actually one of my uh one of my beta readers, Ian was like, no no no, you don't have the right mead. Mead shouldn't be like that. You can get sweet mead, and then hillbilly over at uh, Free Ravens has said the same thing. So I, that's my goal is to find a good mead to see if I can do that. Yeah, I mean it, it, a lot of it depends on uh, the stuff you add to it, right? Um, but and also you know the yeast they use, and if you have any other additions, usually it's usually the yeast I think. Because I also used to do a little bit of home brewing, but not a lot. But I think it's the yeast that really determines how dry it is or how sweet it is. Okay. So, but I've never done mead myself. So, what about you, Nick? Mead? Uh, years ago. Um, I like bourbons and beers. So, that's what I like to eat my steak with bourbon. Okay. I, I enjoy a good bourbon. I am working on expanding my palate. I've, I've accepted that at 40, I don't need to drink it just because it's cheap uh, to get drunk quickly. Uh, instead, I want to actually enjoy the way it tastes. So I'm on a quest to find the perfect bourbon. I got you. Thank God I'm here. Yep. We got uh, we got the list and uh, we thought about like doing the, uh, we don't want to call it the drunk cast because it's not the important to get drunk, but maybe like figuring out what what bourbon or what drink pairs with the right sci-fi as you can kind of watch, maybe with a cigar too. I don't know. We've got ideas on making it a little more manly for that episode, just for the fun <laughs> of it and for the ability to write it off on taxes. So you'd be invited Herman for tax purposes, of course. For work. Yep. But the funny thing is, is that when I, when I have my cigar, I don't have a bourbon. I actually have uh, what's known as Spanish brandy. And because when I when I have my cigar, I like something with a little bit, a little bit of sweetness in it, because yeah. actually, actually, the book that you have up right now, the dedication to the dedication on there is to the cigar bar that I go and I write all my chapters at. Nice. So uh, but what I always it's like a ritual. I go there every time I'm going to write a new chapter. I do it on the weekend and I go there and I always have my Spanish brandy. And, um, and, and then, uh, after that's done, I'll have a caramel latte and that's my, that's my ritual every single time. Not a bad ritual. I, I approve. So yeah, my writing has been fueled by alcohol and tobacco. All the best writing is so. Yeah. All right, sir. Anyway. We've uh, yeah the, the Hemingway approach. Um, well, no, he's got to cut his wrist open and bleed on the keyboard. Um, <laughs> but so so now we've done the introduction. Uh, we've learned a little bit more about you. Um, people can now join in our discussion on fine cigars, uh, steaks, whiskeys. Uh, do you grill anything else? Like you know, you enjoy a good chicken or fish? Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not a fish guy. I've never liked fish, and the older I get, the less I can t- stand the smell. 
but you know, chicken, pork, I've, I've actually done more pork now, pork this year, you know, just nice pork chop, put it on there and then have like a, like a bourbon sauce that goes with it. That actually sounds pretty good. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Pork, yeah. pork. I, I've kind I'm kind of getting to, and kind of getting a little bit better at pork because it's so easy to overdo. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. So the next part yeah. of the introduction, since we wandered far in the field talking about food, I promise we've all eaten dinner by the time we're recording this. Um, but uh, how we first met, so we were all being held hostage by the Greys, uh, and he helped distract them so we, Nick and I could get away. Still not quite sure how he escaped or if that's even really him anymore, but hey, we were told not to ask questions, so here he is, and we're going to talk about his books. Mind powers. Telepathy, okay, telekinesis. Yes. I was told not to ask, and Nick's boss said we're not allowed to speak about the area with um, numbers in it. No, man. Computer running again. That's right. All right. So, sir, are you ready for the religion questions? Yes. All right. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Firefly. Okay, go on. Oh, go on about Firefly? Yeah, I like Firefly. I always have. I like. Uh, even though it's Josh Whedon, uh, I like the the dialogue. I like the concept. Um, I mean, the, the the dialogue in that and the characters were just about perfect. The thing is, is that I love all three of them. I grew up on Star Trek. Um, I was a young kid when Star uh, when Star Wars came out, you know, and I was one of those that went to that went to go see it like ten times. And then Firefly, but Firefly blew me away. And and the funny th- funny part was is that I actually had picked up Serenity, the the movie Serenity, kind of on a whim because I didn't, you know, I didn't have anything to do that night. That's when you were still running, you know, stuff from yeah. like Blockbuster and stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is a great movie. You know, I wonder if they're going to come out with anything more. So I did a little bit more research on it, found out there was a whole series. And then I went to Costco one day and there's the whole series there for like $8.88. So I bought the whole thing. Completely blown away. Great concept. How the hell that thing got canceled is well beyond me. Because it was on Fox where good shows go to die. Too soon. Too soon, but I mean, I'm an I'm an old Star Trek guy. Star Trek, the original, next generation, and after next generation, they kind of lost me. Yeah, some of the others. Okay. That that's kind of rough. All right, on the fantasy side, because we are polytheistic here at the Blasters and Blades podcast, Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or Chronicles of Narnia. Chronicles of Narnia. I love the old school. Uh, I mean, somebody said something along the lines of um, children's stories are stories that are just sort of read by children or something along those lines. Kids, kids sometimes read children's stories, but it's actually the adults. I love the the old school fantasy and the whimsy of it all. Um, And there's basically an uplifting message in a lot in all of them to an extent. Um, and I, and I like, I've always liked C.S. Lewis as far as his, he has a sort of a, a very sort of, uh, forward wit. Um, I, I've, I've, you know, listened, I've, I've tried reading, uh, Wheel of Time. I, I, they, he lost me after like the first couple of chapters and I've listened to George R. R. Martin's, um, the Song of Ice and Fire series. 
And I mean, it, he writes stuff very well. I actually really like George Martin's George R. R. Martin's writing style, but the I only liked about four or five characters out of that, and the rest of them I could really care less about. And I think he sort of lost his way the further on he went into the books. Fair. He had his, his the pro the prologue that he had on the first book was one of the best prologues I ever read. Okay. Um, wow. Okay, you got a lot to think about. Um, so, uh, dear listener, as you're listening and you're commenting in the in the thing, be sure to uh, sure to weigh in if you disagree with them. But uh, we want to prove that we're not knuckle-dragging troglodytes. So, sir, are you ready for the final? Go ahead. Coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Coffee black. Of course, when like I have a cigar. Soul. Yes. Ah. I like it so black that the light can't escape it. And if it gets any stronger, it'll actually suck the universe into it. Oof. Okay. And a latte. And well, you did mention you like caramel latte, so I mean, yeah. Okay, all right. They make it with espresso beans. A little razzle dazzle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a good espresso bean? So, do you prefer a certain type of coffee, like I don't know, um, Colombian, um, light roast, dark roast? I actually- I, I, I kind of prefer the darker roasts, and I had a, a blend of one time I used to have a blend of Ethiopian and Ethiopian and something else, and it, it was just like one of the one of the best coffees I ever had. And of course, they got rid of it after I started. Oh, well. Yeah, of course. It, once they get you hooked. Yeah, once they got me hooked, they got rid of it. It's like everything. That's like everything in my life. Once I get to like it, they get rid of it. Sounds about right. That sounds like Fox with uh with the entertainment shows. We like it, so right. we cancel it. Yep. But I, I have to have decaf because I have I I have uh, some heart issues and I've been having problems with caffeine lately. Oh, I might I don't know, I might risk it. I don't know if I've I mean, met a coffee that good or I'm willing to risk really willing to risk a heart attack. Man, I had trouble yeah. getting that one out. I don't know. I mean, I well, it's know. either the co- it's either the coffee or the kids will kill you. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. I still got one in the house. Coffee did the kids. Wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> Take, yeah, Nick, we'll edit that out in post. I'm sure. Take the, leave the gun. Take the cannolis. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I take the, the gun, leave the gun. The cool part about that was that was an ad libbed line that wasn't in the original script. If you watch some of the making of, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't. I still not entirely sure what it's supposed to mean in context. I mean, obviously, like I get to a point what they were going for, but it's just so random. But it's become such a part of our culture. Yeah, because that movie was iconic. I remember sitting there quoting—I forget where it was—I was quoting a bunch of uh, lines to The Godfather. Person didn't know about anything about The Godfather, and I felt, I felt so, I felt so despondent. Because they didn't understand any of it. And who wrote that? Was Mario Puzo or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Mario Puzo, I think his name. Yeah, the same guy that wrote uh, Superman in in '78. Oh, really? When I learned that little. Yeah, when I learned that factoid, I was like, "What?" <laughs> the guy that wrote The Godfather wrote Christopher Reeve's Superman. 
So truth justice in the American way. I don't like how you treated my boy. He's from another planet. He's practically a god. Uh, I come from the planet Krypton, and uh, I'm gonna make an offer you can't refuse. It's gonna be so good (laughs) on the day of my daughter's wedding. (laughs) Okay, Uh, so. You mentioned that you're a writer, but how did you decide to get into writing? Like that's a, a, a leap for most people that they never make. Well, I believe it or not, my my first ever writing anything per se is I actually wrote a eulogy for my great or my great uncle and my great aunt. Um, and I, I very much loved them. And so I, I wrote, you know, like this eulogy about things that I had done, you know, I knew about them and done with them. And when they got done, it was read by the, you know, by the reverend who presided over the service. When I got done, everybody's mouths were open and they were looking at me like, you know, and I, I thought I had insulted somebody and I kept, they kept coming up and saying, that's one of the best things I've, I've heard this, that, and the other. So I'm like, really? And even my wife said, you know, it's, it was very beautiful. So, and I had friends telling me, you know, you really do have a way with words. So I was like, you know, whatever. And then at one point I started writing articles in software because I write software, um, write software for a living. I started writing articles on programming and I had uh, gotten a couple of them published. Um, one of them was for a major magazine at that time. And that prompted them to come back and ask me, and they asked me to do a book for them. So I said, sure. So I did this obscure book and it took me about a year to write. And they told me they had budgeted for only 250 pages and it ended up being 420. And, uh, but it got published and I got, uh, you know, kind of a nice, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A nice uh, uh, advance. And, uh, I never saw a dime of, uh, you know, of royalties because it was too obscure. And, and, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to publish like in software, you, you really need to kind of like go with the hottest trends. And I wasn't doing that. And then I decided, you know, I, I wanted to write something else, but I didn't want to be in software. I didn't want to write software because you'd, you'd have to, that, that stuff changes all the time. I, I want to have something that's a little bit more legacy. So I decided to write fiction and, I like fantasy. You know, I loved Lord of the Rings. I'm a huge, uh, was a huge D&D nerd. Um, I, I grew up on reading those, uh, you know, the original, the D&D, the, the first version of Dungeons and Dragons. I had those uh, original books at one time. And uh, also I have the AD&D, the first three AD&D manuals, which is the, you know, the player's manual, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster Manual. And I was always heavily inspired by that type of stuff. So I decided to write a book. And I, I got done with that. I wrote it, gave it to my wife and she read it and she came back to, she goes, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very, it's very nice, which was code word for it sucks. But, you know, she was at that time, she was too, you know, I think probably a little bit too uh, hesitant to tell me that it wasn't that good. So undaunted, I tried to get it published. And after about 80 rejections, I, uh, I, uh, I, I kind of gave up writing fiction for a while uh, for about 20 years. The thing is, is that um, while my, while my writing wasn't good, 
the the story that I come up with, the kernel of it, I thought was pretty uh, was pretty solid. So over the years, you know, because I, I have I have a career in software and worked on the career over the years, I kind of wrote short stories that went along with this book. And then sometime in 2017, I decided, uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll maybe I'll rewrite this one story uh, that went along with the book and rewrite it because I never really liked how this how that ended. So I sat down, I think it was in December of uh, December of 2017. <clears throat> and somewhere in the beginning of January 2018, I finished a 170 some thousand word book. And it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. So I decided, you know, maybe I'll go back and I'll take the original book that I wrote and I'll rewrite it. So then I took and went through the entire book and I rewrote the whole thing and then I gave it to my wife. And my wife said, my, my wife read through it all and she came back to me and she goes, this is as good as anything I've ever bought. And she, you know, she reads Stephen King, uh, Dean R. Kuhn. She's, you know, read Robert Jordan. She's read a lot of different stuff. She's a big kind of an action adventure junkie and she likes those types of books. And she goes, you should, you should publish this. And I was saying to myself, yeah, you know, I can try publishing it, but I don't think anybody will pick it up. And sure enough, nobody picked it up. Now, I didn't want to self-publish at that time because I knew how hard it was to self-publish. You, you can publish a book, but it's like, unless you really, really work at promotion, nobody's going to buy it. And I was getting really, really sort of, uh, you know, really sort of despondent about it because I was going through rejection after rejection after rejection with this book. And um, at one point or another, I was about ready to just give it all up because I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to spend the money that it would take to, for a vanity project, which is essentially writing, writing a book would be, I wasn't going to spend the money for a vanity project, um, you know, for my own ego. And it was at that time when I said, I, I'm just going to give up. The, I'm just going to give this up and go back to, you know, we're focusing on my career in software. And it was my wife that came in and said, we will spend the money to, um, we'll spend the money to publish this book if we need to. Um, you are a good writer um, and you really need to publish. And so at that point, I decided to self-publish. So never got this this one this first book that i wrote never got it published so then i was left to say i was left saying to myself okay so what am i gonna what what am i gonna put out there what am i gonna self-publish well i had i'd started another book um and that ended up being the wizard stone i'd started that book but i didn't want but i was doing some uh research on marketing and they said that it, you know it, one of the things you should do when you're when you're going to self-publish is maybe write a small book and have a free giveaway. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to give away the wizard stone. Um, I'll write a small sort of a novella and use that as my free giveaway. And so that's where the revenant and the tomb comes in. So fast forward, I think about another year and I go to give this book away and, 
you know, I'm trying to attract a bunch of people to my website for emails, this, that, and the other, so I can build an email list and do all the things that they tell you to do in self-publishing. And it was a dismal failure. So I decided, well, okay, let's just publish. So we published and here we are. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, Blaine Lee Pardo, the uh, author of all those Battletech and I think Mech Warrior books, he picked it up and he read it and uh, he he raved about it. I got a five star review from him and it's uh, it's actually on the Amazon. It's actually on the Amazon site. So that's the brief history, <laughs> brief history of my writing in this book. Nice. That's cool. I mean, normally yeah, we have yeah. questions that lead you along, which you did it for us, and we're not going to yeah. say no to that. So did you end up taking this to a small press, or did you just totally self-publish? I after, after my experience with the first book, um, and I did try with the first book, it's with a character named Freddie, uh, with the first book, I I uh, I did try to go to small presses with that, and it was rejected. And I was at the point where I I could either spend another year and not get picked up because this is a novella, and a lot of those places uh, they're not going to pick up a novella. Um, I could spend a year doing that and not getting anywhere. I could just publish it myself, seeing that we were going to publish it. Uh, we were going to spend the money to publish it. And uh, my first release uh, from uh, the first year of its publication, I sold about 220 books. And then when I released The Wizard Stone, um, I made that up in about two months. So I doubled my sales in two months. And then in six months, I had basically tripled my sales. So I'm, I'm, I'm approaching like 700 books sold right now. That's not bad. Maybe Blaine's yep. uh, pimping you out or help you out. Well, that's actually before Blaine said anything. So, okay. But I'm Adam. Okay. He's a really nice guy. Great guy. <laughs> well, before we dive too deep into this and let Nick, Nick talk about the cover, because he likes to wax poetic about art and stuff. We're yeah. Gonna, we're going to have to use my degree finally. Yeah. I mean, he's just got to do it so he can write off the hour on taxes and he bills us like <laughs> a crazy amount to himself like he's worth three million dollars an hour i don't know where that comes from the irs hasn't asked any questions yet so we're okay um but yeah, yeah. we're gonna play, play that commercial real quick All right, so the, the commercial that Stabby put together for us, if you're uh, listening, is all visuals of the various coffee brand coffee. They are affiliate sponsor. If you buy with them with the link in the show notes for um, – if you use the link in the show notes and the code podcast crunch, you get a discount. It is, I believe, 10%. We get a little bit of a kickback for every whatever sold, so you're helping keep the lights on and you get coffee out of it. You're supporting American-owned business. Another cool thing if you're American – um so yeah it's a it's a good coffee uh stabby absolutely loves their uh their blueberry she's reordered um as a thank you for reordering for her second order they actually threw in a free 
dark roast for her to try other things, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, yeah, I thought that was really nice. I'm, I'm still working through just the last dregs. I got like two more cups of coffee out of my uh, s'mores. Um, so that should be interesting. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to trying something new, see what they got seasonal. But uh, we wouldn't shill for them if we didn't also enjoy the coffee ourselves. It's good. It's delicious. I recommend it. And uh, I get it. It's a little bit on the pricey side. So for me, it's my like, you hit your word count today. You get a nice cup of coffee instead of the rot gut stuff I normally buy because, you know, budgets are a thing. And my 20 ain't 20 and like it used to at the store. Jeez. Anyway. So with that being said, Coffee Brand Coffee is an amazing affiliate. We like working with them. They like uh, helping out smaller creators get their established. So it's a win-win. What's not to love? And with that being said, Nick, we're looking at yes. the screen with the cover of The Revenant and the Tomb. So uh -huh. go yeah. on. Do your artsy-fartsy thing. All right. My Archie Farchy thing. I think you put too much stock into what I'm actually going to say. <laughs> um, no, I like it. I like that you have the sword centered. Uh, I believe that is fabric, or is that fire coming off of it? Yeah, it's fire. It's fire? Okay. Stylistically done. I think less is more, and especially uh, book covers, because you do judge a book by its cover. Um, so it's got some contrast in there with the mountains and everything. You got the good use of positive and negative space. And then you got like this emblem in the, in the back. That's kind of like, um, you know, past these kind of low. So it's like, Oh, it makes you look a little closer to see what it is. And then you got, you know, these symbols and things and you're like, Oh, what are these about? So, um, I like how the, uh, the masthead is done and the typography is good. This was really done. Good, actually. This, this, uh, cover was done by a company called ebook launch. <clears throat> um, they gave, they gave me like two different covers and, and basically the criteria was criteria that I gave them was I don't want what everybody else has. Okay. I don't want a scene from the book. Um, and I don't want, uh, I don't want, you know, the typical, you have a figure in the center and it's got a glow around it and it's got some stuff in the background. Yeah. I want, something that is sort of abstract um and has elements of the story in it and well, you, you, go ahead yeah it worked um yeah you know whatever whatever answers you gave them they they did well with it and i think there was probably the right answers yeah i've gotten um, a lot of i've gotten a lot of compliments on the cover yeah it's clean it's professional it's definitely something that if i was if it was on like a um side display or something walking by it, I would probably pick it up because it does, um, it piques my curiosity. I'm like, okay, that's pretty neat. So let me go and check it out. Um, yeah. And it's something exactly you can do like a poster. Oh, man, it's, it's a really good cover. Uh, like Thank I you. said, less is more. And I, I think they nailed it. And I'm doing right now, I'm working on the follow-up. I Actually, it's all written. I'm in the middle of editing. Uh, the book, it, the the next book would be called The Revenant and the Cult, um, okay. and we're using basically this this same basic style, but we're changing out the elements. So, and the 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 uh, the artist is a guy is a is a comic artist that I know um, that nice. I've met through all of my different connections. So, same basic style and sort of the setup. I'm really I'm really excited. Yeah, it's. 
it's a cool cover. I'm, I'm actually kind of intrigued to like what's inside the book, what the story is. So, yeah. So first, before we talk about the story, what would be the age range? Cause we've got families that listen, um, which is why we try to stay family friendly ish as much as grunts can. Um, but what would you say the age range is for your target audience? Uh, 13 and up. Um, you know, there's, there's some gore. I, I don't like, I don't write sex. Uh, I don't put in a lot of swearing. I think it probably the wizard the the wizard stone, which is my second book, probably had one curse word in it. Um, so I it, I tend to do stuff very clean. Uh, I think there was one kid who came up at a at a comic convention I was at recently, who bought it, and he loved it. And it I didn't feel guilty about him picking it up because there was no there was none yeah. of that, not even innuendo. I just don't like doing that. I like kind of like clean fiction and fun and i want to say fun stories because they're very gritty but you know just good adventure stories just focus on the adventure don't worry about all the other stuff okay we can we can deal with that yeah um, and there's there's also an audiobook and it is on spotify and the audiobook like us apparently yeah <laughs> the audiobook is narrated by uh steve fortune uh, he does a fantastic job. The way the way it makes you, the way he makes it sound, it's almost as if you're sitting at a pub, and he's telling you the story. It's great. So, you're, is this your way of saying your narrator was drunk during the production of this? No, but just, <laughs> if it was, he'd probably just. If he was, he'd probably be just as good. All right, Nick. You had the next question. You had one you wanted to ask him. Oh crap! Sorry, <laughs> you got to unmute. I know, I know. Oh man, I was like, oh, I started talking, and then oh crap, what happened? I'm not. No one's, no one's talking. My bad. I apologies, folks. Uh, okay. Um, man, I'm rambling. All right. Uh, tell me about the main character for uh, the Revenant in the tomb. The main character. The, the the main character is uh, is a young man named Hal Cedric. He there's a bit of a mystery uh, to him, and he meets up with a it meets up of course in a tavern with a guide named um, Drom, and Drom is the one that's going to take him to this to this mountain known as the Horn of Torgiv, and you you find out a little bit more about Hal Cedric, um, and it's a character's name Hal Cedric, as you go along. The, the thing was, is that The Revenant in the Tomb was my second attempt at this book. The first attempt was the origin story to Hell Cedric. And it, that actually was, it was working out pretty good. I had a good beginning and a good ending, but the middle sucked. So I abandoned that and I, I did something, you know, I did this, The Revenant in the Tomb. It's basically what they'll tell you is it's basically a dungeon delve. Okay. People love it. Yeah. So if they're if they're going dungeon diving, do you um, have a favorite like monster that they're fighting that you used in this book? I tend to I tend to make up my own stuff. So um, I, I don't want to give too much stuff away, but uh, this this is actually the story is actually uh, there's a lot more lore around this story than what I let on. <coughs> Excuse me, I. Uh, uh, it, I, it's kind of like a small slice of a much greater story. 
And it's something that in the next book I expound on. Because this book also corresponds to that first book I was telling you about that I tried to get published. And so all of the stories that I'm writing are linked in the same fantasy world. I don't know if that actually answered the question, but. Sure. Um, so most dungeon diving type adventures involve a party. So are there any, um, anybody in the story that goes with him or is he a lone wolf? Like yes. What? There is, uh, there, of course, there's the guide I already told you, and there's Hell Cedric, and there is a, uh, they, they call him, I call him a Wodeman. They, they were be kind of like uh, a dwarf in Tolkien terms, uh, named Tulvgir, and there is uh, a huntress named uh, Herodini, and she is an Alani, and she would kind of be like the elf, an, an elf or a version of an elf. And they're, they're very different characters, and it doesn't fall on the same type of lore that Tolkien or D&D does, where there's enmity between dwarves and elves. And then they meet up with Yurk, which are sort of like by orcs, but different. You know, you'll find out why. And all of the, you know, and the, the, all the, the creatures and the, and the, uh, the antagonist, um, they're all part of a kind of a theme that I have that I've that I that I created with the first book that I wrote that I never published, and this simply taps into a little bit on that, and it also uh, it also signals, it also leaves a hint for uh, something that's going to happen in in this final book and also in the next book too. Okay, um, so do you see this being a trilogy? Do you see this being a long running series? Like, where do you envision it going? originally it was supposed to be one and done and i said that before yeah and it was like about a month after i released it and i had people coming up on to coming up to me on social media that had bought it and said so when's the next book coming out you know what i want to leave i want to see more about you know hal cedric and Herodini and and what tolvier does and i'm like going um okay you know it was, it was, it was just Hell Cedric was actually a prototype character for um, a, a, a series that I wanted to do, sort of an episodic series of uh, something similar to the, the type of warrior that Hell Cedric was, and um, basically a, a scribe or a scholar. And they went and they did event, they went on different adventures. And so I figured, you know, as a, as my free giveaway, I'd kind of like do this one-off with this this character to kind of set up that series that I want to eventually do. And now, um, based on reader demand, I'm kind of like making a series out of it. Nice. So I wanted to kind of make it sort of episodic, but the the natural the the next story sort of evolved from this one. So I guess you would call it a series, but it wasn't meant wasn't sort of designed to be like that. And the series that I'm working on, the the, the book that I'm working on now, I'm actually going to break into two pieces because I I like to produce uh, smaller books and they're less expensive. So you'd be able to spend less. You know, you might have to spend you buy two books over the course of a couple months, but you'll be spending less each month. Okay, nice. that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that happens. You know. Yeah. You don't have like a plan going forward, and then it's oh, I had a plan, but that went right out the window. So, yeah, 
it's like I had a plan to do this, and but just through writing the yeah. book and fan reaction, yeah, it's it becomes its own its own entity. It takes over. Yeah. So now now I've got like three other books that I want to do with Hal Cedric, and and then I think I'll be done with him. Nice. Okay. So do you think after you're done with him, you're going to go into the uh, the other series you wanted to write, or have you been called other directions? Are you definitely staying in the world? Uh, well, there's another book that I want to write. It's it's uh, it deals with a uh, a fallen angel, and it's inspired. It's inspired kind of by the the, the you know uh, uh, Paradise Lost. Okay. Um, and actually, it's inspired by the album Paradise Lost by Symphony X. And but I mean, there's also Paradise Lost elements in that as well. Um, and that, that story is technically about uh, salvation or not, not salvation, redemption. And it actually ties into the, the second book that I wrote, or the second book that I wrote, which is The Wizard's Stone. It's a bit of a prequel, but it, it, can, it can stand on its own. I would say that if, as far as themes and stories go, the redemption arcs are always timeless. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, can't go wrong with a redemption arc. No, I, I love it because in the modern society, that's why I put them in my writings too. In a modern society where everything's technological, you used to be you effed up too bad. You just move to another town, you start again, and you, you learn from your mistakes. You can't really do that in a modern world. People mess no. up. It's, it's a one and done. Like, and that's well, they're going to put against you to your hundred. And that's that's kind of the situation with this one book that I'm I'm looking to do. And I actually started one chapter, but it, this it's that one's been a kind of a hard start. I mean, I have ideas, but until I actually start plunking them down, I don't know where everything's going to go. I think if every go ahead, go ahead. I can't say go ahead and then start talking. Yeah, I'm a bit of a pantser. Matter of fact, I'm very much a pantser. I have like an idea of how I want the story to go but the details don't actually happen until I start writing them. Okay. So I think, I think every author has that one story in them that they've, they've been wanting to tell, but they're not quite sure how to execute it. And it's just sort of sitting in the back of their brain pan. So you, I don't think you're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, that was the first book I tried to get published. And that book Although I originally started out, it started out one direction when I did the rewrite, it became very clear to me uh, what that book would be about, which would actually be about faith and hope. And it's also, it's also based on, because I call this Christian fantasy. It really, it really isn't. It's sort of Christian-esque fantasy. It's very Christian compatible. Um, But the, it, 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 the the book the first book actually was inspired by a line from Revelation in the Bible. Oh, go on. Which I yeah I no I can't tell you because I think it would give it away. So I have to be very tight lipped about that. But the it's it the way I present it it ends up being very complex. So I want I want to kind of keep that till later. Tuck, tuck tuck that away and keep it keep it my little secret for right now. So but it was it was told. Go ahead. You mentioned religious themes. Can someone who is not Christian read this and be like, oh, this is just a good story? Yeah. Matter of fact, um, I don't, I like dealing with themes and with with uh, beliefs and themes. Um, and I like taking drawing from my, you know, my 
my religious beliefs. But the one thing I don't want to do is number one, I don't want to ruin the story. And number two, um, I, I don't want to preach. And it's just, you, I'm not there. I'm not a preacher. I'm not there to preach. I'm there to entertain. And that's your first, that's first goal of any writer. Um, but, you know, if I can weave it in and give you something to think about after the book is closed, then, then all the more power to it. And really some of these, like these moral questions, these are the things that really underpin a lot of very profound fiction. I mean, Lord of the Rings. And like I said, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, all of these have a lot of moral underpinnings, but they don't like beat you over the head with stuff. And I got, I got atheists that have read my book and loved it. And they, they agree, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's, it gives you something to think about, but it doesn't beat you over the head. And that's kind of what I try and do. Okay. Um, do you explore religion in the context of not necessarily just Christianity, but from the character's point of view in their religion, or is it more just thematic? Yeah. I mean, the, the, all of my, all of my characters thus far have been, all of my main characters have thus been um, either very religious or have a very, have a strong sort of religious background. Um, and Hal Cedric, especially because he's kind of like, sort of like, I wouldn't call him a paladin, but he's he's along those lines. And so of course he's going to have a religious, very a very narrow religious view. And I, I expound more on that in the second book, the 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 revenant and the cult. So in the background of this art, you have like what looks to be almost like Celtic runes or, or Viking runes. I'm not an expert, so I'll I'll zoom in for the listeners. Or for the viewers, but what is the yeah. story of these these symbols? Well, this originally that the symbols, I, I I use those as the symbols on a as a seal on a tomb. Um, the original symbols, the original artwork there had those. They had that inner circle of symbols, which I thought was kind of cool, um, and it's sort of a culty looking. But the exterior symbols were uh, Viking runes, and it's like I had them change that. And we used, um, I forget what the language was, but I found like sort of a Middle Eastern language and we changed those runes on the outside to give it more of a, a unique feel. But I've actually, with this next book, I've created a language, I wouldn't say a language, but I've created an alphabet for another language, which is mentioned in this book. Um, but I, I needed to go in and kind of write it down for the artist because I might be using it for the cover of book two. Nice. I'm, I'm talking with a lot of vague, I'm being very vague about a lot of things because I don't like giving away spoilers, but yeah, no, language, no spoilers. yeah, language, language, language does have, um, it does play a, a large part in the books, um, Hal Cedric, the character is not giving really away anything, but he wears like, like a, a surcoat over his, over when he goes into battle, he wears a surcoat and it's white with gold lettering. And it's a, it's a holy script written on his chest, but nobody knows what it says. And it's, it was given to him by a prophet and that prophet 
you know, their language means something, but nobody really knows what it is. And he discovers, he discovers stuff written in a language that they're still trying to figure out come the next book. And there are runes actually in the, in the blade of the sword. And they, they, the, the purpose of those actually is highlighted in these upcoming books. All right. So before Nick asks his question, because he, he has a classic he likes asking people, um, we stole this one from him, but I'm going to jump in front of him real quick and ask you, since you mentioned they go essentially tomb crawling, did you sketch out the tomb, um, the like the floor plans that you're using that maybe readers that wanted to turn this into a role playing game um, one off could use? No, actually, I put it. It was all in my head. The tomb isn't that extensive. Okay. Okay. When you when you were uh, are co-writing with James Ward, you learned to start thinking in terms of how can I turn this into a game as well? Because that's just how his brain works, and he's he's corrupted me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, ask your question, sir. Sir, would you live in this world that you created? Oh yeah. Yeah. What's See, how much plot armor part? do you need? What brought you into that? Well, what was that? the fact that you're the author? What would draw you into wanting to live in this world? Is it the the air of adventure. Uh, they, it, uh, well, the, they, the, some of the details to the, some of the various regions. Yeah, I would, I would live there. Um, especially when you get into, I, when you get into um, the, a lot the lands of the Alani, if mm -hmm. I could go live there, because it's kind of like heaven on earth. So yeah, things that like that, good. <laughs> but you know, I, I'm, after a while, you get sick and tired of you get sick and tired of writing software and having lands of adventure and all this. It sounds a lot better sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. In that world, do they have ribeye steaks? Yes. Okay, cool. I'll take two. <laughs> okay, so does this world have magic in it? Yes. And the wizard stone sort of highlights on that highlights it. And the thing about magic that when I write about magic, I don't like to give away too many details. I sort of like to hint at things, but magic is sort of something that is, that is bestowed from on high and only certain people can use it. Uh, which then bids the question if, if let's say the, the, the main deity bestows magic on somebody, how is it that, the enemies of that deity have magic. So that's, that's uh, something I'm waiting to write about in a separate book. But the, the second book, the wizard stone actually deals more with magic. I would think with a title like wizard, uh, that would, that would require some sort of magic. Yeah. And uh, it, elements of that were actually based off of the movie dragon slayer. Oh, classic movie. Oh, that is a great movie. You know, if you're so if you're into the classic movies, we've been doing retro reviews. We've done two sci-fi. I think we're due for a retro fantasy review, Nick, and maybe we'll have to have. I think you're absolutely movie. right, sir. I don't think as we've gotten into that kind of stuff. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, speaking of retro, the, a lot of uh, my writing kind of harkens back to the old uh, to the old style of of like pulp and the you know Robert E. Howard and Tolkien and all of that. Uh, I deal with very, I, I, I like using very flowery language and uh, it's, it's really been a hit. People have, people have really, have really 
have really been attracted to that. Okay. That is good to know. When we uh, when we wrap this show up, we'll get you right before we uh, we wrap at off when we're off air, and we'll have to start brainstorming some uh, classic fantasy novels to or novels fantasy movies we can review. Speaking of, dear listener, if you've got any classic movies you want us to do for our retro reviews, reach out. We're always looking for ideas. Um, at this point, you know we're having more ideas than we have episode slots, so that's a good problem to have. I think. Nick and I'll be a hundred and we'll still be like have movies and books and things to talk about in Nerdville. So uh like, oh, I gotta nerdy. watch the movie that I haven't seen in 60 years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Was there anything about the revenant in the tomb that we didn't ask that you want to highlight as we uh, prepare to bounce? No. Um buy my book, yeah. Where can you Is buy it? it? You can buy it everywhere. Yeah, so you're wild. Yeah. So yeah, I am wide. Um, and Absolutely. like I said, you can get it uh, paperback, ebook, or audiobook. And people either absolutely love the audiobook or they think it's okay. But I have had no one say I hated that audiobook. You know, I had somebody once tell me I was the okayest sergeant they had. So I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> you right. got to take the wins where you can, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I was told by an old school Vietnam veteran era sergeant that if they were, weren't messing with you, they were plotting about you and you'd rather them mess with you to your face than frag you in the back. So true. Absolutely. Um, of course that's hypothetical because that would never happen in the modern army. Never. Oh, um, never. no, absolutely. Never All right. in the back, mate. <laughs> absolutely. There's a reason you were armor in your back. Uh, so before we let you go, dear listener, we'd like to remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your part. And if uh, if you've got ideas for uh, for us on topics, uh, movies, books to review, throw them our way. You can tell us how you like your steak. Always a win. Uh, if you try Coffee Brand Coffee and you like it or hate it, reach out. We'd love to hear about it. Don't forget to use our code. With that being said, Herman, can you tell our listeners and viewers how they can find you? And as usual, links will be in the show notes. Um, once again, I'm like everywhere. Uh, I have a website, www.hphunterwriter.com. You can find me on Twitter at uh, h at Herman P. Hunter 1, because apparently there was another Herman P. Hunter on Twitter, uh, and at Facebook under Herman P. Hunter. And I'm also on Mines, Getter, and Gab. And uh, I'm also affiliated with the Iron Age. Uh, you can, I'm usually in and around the the Gilded Chat for a drink with Crazy and several other comic artists like Brian Shearer, Gary Shipman, uh, Mike S. Miller. Uh, you can find me there as well in their discords. Oh, freaking standing. All right. You can find us on our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoot, the rumbles, the Twitters, the emails, the Blasters and Blades Facebook group, Blasters and Blades Facebook page, the Madam Stabby Stab Twitter, Instagram, and email where you can reach out and tell us how much we suck, and she will make you cry, I guarantee you. You know, some people pay extra <laughs> for that service, and we're giving it to you for free because we're just loving individuals. Uh, yeah. And we're also not doing the work. We're making Stabby do it. Um, you can also find our email address, which is blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Again, blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com for serious business inquiries or if you want to try to get on the show, you got some ideas, we're, uh, we're game. You can find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm 
slash blasters dash and dash blades where for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on um or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author jr hanley again buymeacoffee.com slash author jr hanley be sure to put in the comment section that's for the podcast and i promise i will keep my co-hosts duly caffeinated they will drink until no we're never going to quit because we ain't no quitters people so we're just going to keep drinking the coffee if so I die, just wait three days. I'll return to duty. Absolutely. You know, they actually made me report to duty when I had a 105 degree temperature when I was on guard duty. Holy crap. Yeah, that, that tracks with the army. Yeah. And we had live, it was a live fire guard exercise. Like I don't, they never told us what we were guarding. They just, it was on Fort Bragg and they said, here's your magazine, shoot anything that comes close and doesn't stop. And um, it was, I just know it mirrored the, uh, the air force property line. So it was a, it was a building that was somehow between the two properties. And when my sergeant came out, I was hallucinating because of the fever at that point, they thought I was, I guess, faking being sick. I want you to know people, private Hanley was a lot of things, but he was no faker. That's right. I came to work hungover and I didn't try to get out of nothing. You know what I faked? I faked to give a shit. <laughs> that, that I did fake. But anyway, I, I faked that a lot. I didn't recognize him because the fever was so high and I shot at his silhouette. Luckily for me, there were five of them and I shot the wrong oh, one. <laughs> Ooh, that'll do it. Yeah. Uh, well, there, let's just say that I would not have been the one in trouble because I did try to report to sick call and they wouldn't let me. So, oops. Oops. Jeez. So let that be a lesson to you people. If someone's got a 105 degree temperature, don't give them a loaded weapon. Just yeah. Don't. yeah. That's bad juju, man. Absolutely. All right. We appreciate you spending some of your precious time with us. We talked all the things cool about books, bourbon, booze, beer, cigars, and steaks. We talked about grilling things with fire and flame and brimstone. And oh, by the way, religious themes in The Revenant and the Tomb. So, uh, yeah, you got all the things in this episode, and we're not even charging you extra. So, right. That being said, we'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And we're